Like I knew that I had had too much to drink and I knew I had the ability to know that. I probably got confused. I didn't know where she was. And I went, got behind the wheel of my car and started driving home. Somebody called in an erratic driver. That was me. And they found me on the side of the road and I ended up getting a DUI. Mm. Went to bed that night, still in anger. Like, you know, this, this happened to me, not my fault. The magical thing that happened is I woke up the next morning. Welcome back to the Sobriety Diaries, friends. I'm your host, Nate Kelly, best-selling author and podcast producer, but most importantly, a recovering alcoholic eight years from my last drink. I am so grateful to be bringing you these powerful stories of recovery told by you, those who live them. If you're joining us for the first time, check out more information at thesobrietydiaries.com and make sure to share the podcast with one person in your life who may need it today. You never know what they may need to hear. And with that, let's open the diary on Marcy Hopkins. I am so excited for this conversation and it's been in the works for a while. Today's guest is the author of the inspirational book, Chaos to Clarity. She's a sought after public speaker, recovery expert, and host of the award-winning morning show, Wake Up with Marcy. She's a beacon of inspiration and empowerment in both lifestyle and recovery. Please welcome Marcy Hopkins. Marcy, how are you? I'm doing wonderful, Nate. Thank you so much for having me on. It means a lot. I'm so excited to chat. I think we both try to use our platform as a way to empower and encourage others who may be struggling. So Marcy, I'd love to hear perhaps what led you to seeking a path to recovery or, you know, what started this, this journey for you? Yeah, Nate, it's interesting. I have for most of my life wondered if my drinking is normal or not, because my mother was an alcoholic. My grandfather drank every day. Every, everyone around me was constantly drinking. So it, that was very normal to me. And I had a lot of trauma uh, growing up. So I did use alcohol as a way of coping, but I also was living a pretty successful life. Once I got into my 20s, started my career, got married in my 30s, had two children. Uh, It was in my 40s that I had my worst time with alcohol. There were many times that I would (laughs) go back and forth and, and struggle with my drinking too much, my not. But it was in my 40s where I was like, am I destroying everything in my life? Or is my husband just no fun and uh, I'm just not getting to live the life that I want to live, right? right? I was having a lot of shame and, and feeling really bad about my drinking habits. I was looking a lot at different ways to help uh, tame my drinking um, whether I was waking up in the middle of the night, right? Cause I, I'd be like, okay, I had too much wine last night. I'm not going to do it tomorrow. Mm. How can I change? Right. How Famous can I change? last words, right? right? How can I change without not drinking without not, not drinking? Yeah. Right. So 
it was, you know, looking into um, hypnosis and uh, just all these different modalities that I was hoping that would help me in some way, but it didn't have to actually quit drinking. Yeah. It was just going to help me tame my drinking, taper it off, right? While that did not work and things got pretty bad, I decided to try the 12-step program. And the reason that I ultimately tried this 12-step program in the beginning is because I was having trouble in my relationships. I was having um, trouble with work. Uh, at that time, I was doing a lot of modeling and uh, commercial modeling, uh, indie film acting. I had gotten in front of the camera in my 40s. That created a lot of insecurities for me, feeling really bad about myself. I was using alcohol to try to feel better about myself, give myself liquid courage, but in turn was always making me feel worse. So I was just constantly in this kind of roller coaster, like, where am I at? But what I did know was I wasn't happy. Mm. And I knew that things were crumbling around me. So I ultimately decided to try AA. I went into AA. I was terrified. The idea of never drinking again. I couldn't imagine it. Right. Um, you know, something that had always been what I fell back on. I was had so much shame, you know, here my mom in the community and, you know, involved in the PTO and all these things. And here I am and now in, in AA. So much shame, feeling so bad about myself. Well, I slowly started feeling better about myself, seeing that there's so many other moms in the room. There's so many different stories in the room. But then what I ultimately did was I started comparing my story with their story. Yes. Of I course. Can, yeah. So about three months in, if not drinking, gone on vacation, I'm feeling good about myself. I don't have a problem. I just was drinking a little too much. I don't yeah. really, I just had a bad relationship, bad, bad habit, right? So I convinced myself and my husband that I was okay. So I started drinking again, slowly, you know, one drink here, one drink there. And then that just started escalating again. And there were a lot of things that started changing in my life. My husband got a really good job that he wanted me to change how I was. Like, no more drinking at dinner, no more this, and, you know. So I became very angry with him. Like, you just want a Stepford wife. I'm trying to balance my schedule as far as be this actress and go into New York City and get training and do all the things that I could do to be successful because when I'm all in, I'm all in. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to balance being the best mom because I never want to be my mom to my kids and have them feel abandoned. But all these things going on. But the one constant thing that I had was I was drinking. I was drinking to deal with my anger, with not being able to do the work that I wanted to do or, you know, the training that I wanted to do. I had the anger that I didn't have the help with my kids. I had the anger that my husband wasn't around and working all the time. And then I had the, the idea that alcohol would be my liquid courage. If I'm so scared and terrified to go in for an audition, well, certainly a glass of wine's going to make me feel a little better. Yeah. You know, so I had all of these different 
moving parts. But the reality is, is they all had to do with alcohol. When I think about them, they all had to do with alcohol, ultimately. You know, it's like a wanting wanting to be the best mom that I could be, but having to drink to, to have more. I felt like it would give me more energy at night. Having to drink to be great in acting because it was my liquid courage. Drinking to deal with my life and my husband and my resentments. You know, so it was just like all these pillars, but they were still engulfed in alcohol, right? There yes. all these things going on in my life. So ultimately what happened, my drinking had gone in uh, really excess. It became mornings. Uh, how was I going to have lunch and have alcohol? How was I going to, you know, drink in the afternoon, drink in the evening? Whereas before it was always just five o'clock happy hour, have my wine, have dinner, have a glass of wine with dinner. Now it, now it had really escalated. I'm drinking during the day, during the weekends, I'm drinking during the day. Even if I was hiding it, I was still drinking. Are you thinking about it even when you're not drinking? Oh yeah. So it was constant with yeah. the alcohol. Everything was around yes. alcohol. Even though I knew it was destroying me, I still, everything was planned around it. Yeah. So ultimately what happened was I was still, I was in such a place at that time, in such a place of resentment. I wasn't even thinking about my drinking being too much Hmm. because at that time I was living in, in a, I had very clouded judgment. I had so much anger and resentment at the time because I couldn't make anything work the way that I wanted it to work. And um, and so much of that resentment was towards myself and towards my husband. I had so many self-esteem issues being in front of the camera. I loathed myself. So the drinking escalated because I loathed myself so much. But ultimately, the last day of drinking... Um, was October 3rd, 2015. I'd gone for a modeling gig. I was like going to be walking at, you know how the malls, they do these runway shows where you yeah. show the, you know, the models walk the clothing. So that was me. I went to one mall. I was supposed to do it. And um, I realized that I was at the wrong mall. The crazy part of that day was, and that's just because I was so clouded. I couldn't even read the email correctly to make sure where I was really supposed to go. Mm. So I went to the wrong mall and I remember going up the escalator that day going, okay, Marcy, you don't need to drink. You can do this without the alcohol. Well, I'd be damned. I find out I'm at the wrong mall. Now I am freaking out. I get in the car. I start drinking the the wine on the way to the other mall because I am literally freaking out on the inside I, and there's no other way that I feel that I can actually cope with this. I get to the other mall. I get there on my, at the, the time of my gig, thankfully walk the show. Now I'm going out with a girlfriend after we're having drinks at lunch. Now this is, you know, now we're at lunch. Yeah. It's like a morning show. <laughs> so we have lunch. I'm not really eating very much at all because right. I'm drinking my calories. Right. And I'm then she says, you want to go have another drink? And of course, I'm not in any place where I can be making a good decision. So I go for another drink. It's a dream when someone else suggests 
right. alcohol, so, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we go for another drink. I remember the last things I remember were I'm starving right now and I have to eat something. Like I knew that I had had too much to drink and I knew I had the ability to know that. But then I went into a blackout. And I guess what happened is she went to the ladies' room and I went, I probably got confused. I didn't know where she was. And I went, got behind the wheel of my car and started driving home. Somebody called in an erratic driver that was me. And they found me on the side of the road and I ended up getting a DUI. Mm. I went to bed that night, still in anger. Like, you know, this, this happened to me, not my fault. The magical thing that happened is I woke up the next morning right. and it was like that, the final straw. Like God walked in for me and said, Marcy, it's time to surrender. It's time to let go. Mm. And I was able to tell myself I had a drinking problem. I was about to lose everything. I went downstairs, sat down with my husband. So not only did I have the self-loathing, but I was always looking for someone to love me because there were so many abandoned abandonment issues from my past, sexual abuse, my past, just so much trauma. And, you know, I built so many barriers trying to cope and live this normal life. Um, and I know, but I never really thought that I was lovable, right? Because nobody actually stayed around me and loved me. So I, I told him that I was an alcoholic and it, it was like in that same moment, the weight of the world came off my shoulders. He embraced me and it was the first time I truly felt love. And it was the most beautiful, beautiful moment. I, I dedicated my book to him because it's like, he showed me what love is. I'm broken and too many little pieces and you held me even though i've hurt you so badly and said i'm here for you how special mm -hmm. wow. yes it was it was a miracle it was really a miracle and um i knew a woman from the the rooms before uh when i had gone in and i called her and i went i went to an aa meeting and honestly i never i never looked back I was willing to do the work. I was willing to, I was broken. Mm. So I was willing to do whatever they told me. to. I too yeah. went into the rooms um, at the very beginning of my recovery. And I just remember being in awe of these people who knew things about life and knew themselves as a person because like you said i was broken as well i didn't know who i was as a th almost 35 year old man didn't know my likes my dislikes didn't know anything about myself or hadn't built any of those character characteristics as an adult mm -hmm. uh prior to getting sober i relate to that so much i was just shattered really yeah and mm -hmm. so much of what we learn in the rooms is being able to then turn it and help the next alcoholic. And I really just love the way that the program is laid out. It's so genius and mm -hmm. saved my life for sure. You, you said several things that I relate to so much that I wanted to, to touch on and really felt and I can go back to the day that I got my DUI and remembering that feeling of shame. And I 
don't regret too many things in my life because I truly believe that, you know, each decision I made has, has gotten me here to, to where I am today. But one regret that I do have is, is driving under the influence so often and just the, uh, you know, careless nature in which I considered those around me or didn't consider those around me, I think is one of my biggest regrets. I still feel pain from that. I mean, I'm so grateful. I mean, I remember after that, just thanking God over and over and over. The first and foremost that I didn't harm anyone else. Right. And then myself for my children. You know, one of the things I talk about, and I'd love to know from you too, is like, once I started becoming so spiritually connected, I started to be able to see so many signs in my life. And I talk about that a lot in my book. But I remember like after my DUI and seeing a shadow, not that day, because I wasn't a clear mind at that time, but just in those beginning stages of sobriety, like literally even seeing a shadow in the driver's seat. Like, mm-hmm. like my angel was helping me wow. through that time. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. Give me chills. And like, so powerful. And then when, after I got sober, I made the decision that I was no longer going to act and um, go on inter- uh, uh, the auditions anymore because it just brought no nothing good to my life, right? There was nothing that was, so I was in bed. I'd gone to um, an infomercial. I shot an infomercial that day and it didn't go well. (laughs) Yeah. And the great thing was I would have drank before, but what I was able to tell myself that day, because I was sober and I'd done a lot of the work that Marcy, you just had a bad day at work. We have bad days at work, right? I used to like make it all about me. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so I went to bed that night and I woke up in the middle of the night and I was, why am I even doing this? I felt terrible after it. I had to find someone to go get my daughter. I had my period, like the whole day (laughs) stuff. Right. What value is it adding to my life? I don't have to do that. Yeah. And so (laughs) I thought to myself in the middle of the night, I said, okay, that's it. I'm going to call my agent tomorrow. I am done. No more. Not even the little ones, you know, that I've done before, you know, say that I you know, would do these little infomercials, whatever. Right in that moment, Nate, I feel something in my bed. And I know this is going to sound crazy. I feel something in my bed and it's hard. So I pick it up and I'm like holding it in my hand and I turn on the light and it was my modeling card that I had not used for over a year. And I kept these cards in an office downstairs. Wow. You tell me how that card got in. I believe it because shit like that's been happening to me since I got sober too. And And I knew in that moment, it was my sign. Yes. Don't give up. There's something bigger. What's happening today, right? There's something bigger that's supposed to happen for you. Yes. Don't stop. Yes. I remember texting my, my best friend got sober like five or six months before I did. And 
I remember texting her probably two or three months in and saying, I swear the grass is greener and the sky is bluer now. And, you know, it's probably just the fog is lifted and our senses are coming back to us. Yeah, but that, you know, that was a sign to be in nature more. And that's where I find my serenity now. And it was just kind of a little thing that pointed me, you know, in the, in the direction to find the next bigger thing, much like you, your card. Yeah. Did. You see it differently. And like, yeah. when I see certain birds, like, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's my angels right there. Beauty I, everywhere. And I, I, I have a dragonfly on and dragonflies are all in my branding. So I got sober. I live in uh, Bergen County, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. We lived in one house and we ended up moving to another home. Now I, I went to the, I got sober in the other house and that's where all of these bad things happen. We come to this new home. I'm about a year into my sober journey. I'm sitting outside by the pool there's a dragonfly that's like dipping his little nose in the water. And I look up and Nate, there's hundreds of dragonflies. Oh. It, wow. Wow. Right? Wow. Like, and dragonflies became my sign. That... And transformation, right? Yes. The transformation that just, the, I had to go look up this, you know, your spirit animals or right. what these animals, like there's something that's, that's being told to you, whether it's a butterfly or a ladybug or, you know, the dragonfly or whatever it is, like, go look these things up. Yeah. You keep seeing a falcon, go look it up. It's telling you something. Uh, not to be too, you know, woo woo or whatnot, but there is a, a vibrational, connection that we have to other beings and that is something that i've come to realize too and on uh, along my spiritual journey and just being open and aware of my environment so much more is something that i'm just so grateful for each day i think that you know one of the things that i have found and i hear you say and so many of us that are really doing the work and become spiritually awakened is you start to really be connected in a different way. You start doing uh, the vibrational and energy work. You see things in a very different way and you're able to open yourself up to these things and guidance. And when you are numbing yourself constantly and you are just going through the hamster wheel of life, you will never find that connectiveness like you do when you are able to clear your body, heart, and soul of of the toxins. And that's the beauty of stripping away the layers that we build up around ourselves. Like, I don't know about you, but for survival, I had to put up wall after wall after wall. And there, there can be a selfish nature to recovery, particularly in the beginning when we start to establish boundaries that perhaps people in our lives aren't used to seeing or hearing. And yep. 
there is that level of, of protection that we need to sort of impart on ourselves. And I think it's absolutely necessary to begin that healing process. Yeah. And I, and I, um, you know, boundaries are so important. I, if I, I feel like a lot of people that I've talked to in recovery, you're always saying yes to someone. You always mm -hmm. are trying to be a people pleaser. You're a very uh, sensitive, empathetic person. You know, these are, these are things that we're told a lot of times are wrong. Um, but they're actually, they're actually beautiful because you have, I don't know. I just feel like once you, you are, you're able to clear yourself in your head, you, you're able to really shine, mm. shine, um, in a way that you never have before. I completely agree. And I love mm. it. <laughs> Marcy, a lot of our listeners are in first 90 days of recovery, mm. yeah. even sooner in, in some cases. And I like to leave them with some actionable items. Are there any tangible things or action items that you could suggest to those in early recovery today? Yes. Um, first, um, congratulations. You're making the first step to a beautiful life. And some things that really worked for me is making the 90 and 90 meetings in 90 days, yes. making that commitment to do that. Um, the second thing is connecting with people in the rooms so vital. Um, we're, we all started somewhere, right? We yeah. are start in those rooms with day one and we're all there to help each other. So find some people, some people to connect to. So important. Pick up that phone, call people, do things with them. Um, finding a sponsor is important. But don't feel bad if you don't find the person you connect with. I think it's important that you really connect with the person that's going to be your sponsor and guides you through the big book and what worked for them. So don't feel bad if you don't find someone right away. Um, I love that because that can create extra anxiety that's not necessary. Exactly. If, if you have people to surround yourself with and um, vent to or seek guidance from, I think that's mm -hmm. enough in the beginning. It is enough. And, you know, somebody can step in and, and start with you, but that doesn't mean they're going to be your ultimate sponsor. Yeah. I really liked some, some little things. Um, move a muscle, change a thought was huge for me. Um, I remember very beginning of my sobriety, my husband traveled a lot. So when he would leave, I mean, I could drink who's going to know, right? Yeah. I remember laying on the couch and watching a movie and thinking, I could go get a, some wine right now and nobody would be the wiser. But I said, no, I got up and I moved a muscle because if you start moving, right, and doing something else, you can't think of two things at one time. Right. So I actually got up and went and got my big book and started reading my big book. But that's also another time that you could make that phone call. Right. You're going to have a lot of cravings. So, you know, just realize you're going to have cravings for sugar. Um, one of the things, I don't know why I always craved like sweet and salt. 
So I would love grapefruit juice and, and uh, with salt on the rim. That oh. was so good. That's I really like a fancy little, that. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. So that was my, that became my drink. And, um, you know, there's just, just really listen and, and, and embrace this next journey in your life. And don't be so hard on yourself. Give yourself grace. If you relapse, just start over because um, you're human. And it took you a long time to get where you are today. So it's going to be a long time to heal and to get through this. But we're so deserving of finding this magic. And it's through sobriety that I have my talk show, that I have a book, that I can share these moments with you, that I can be spiritually connected, that I can know who I am and actually love myself. And it's really a beautiful, beautiful thing. So keep going, guys. Keep going. Let hearing us today, let this be your sign. Let this be the modeling card in your bed that you are on the right path. And this could be the start of, of something beautiful. Marcy Hopkins, the book is From Chaos to Clarity. I'll link it in today's show notes. I know wakeupwithmarcy.com. Anywhere else online people can find you or that that we can... Uh, I'm on Instagram a lot. You know, like I share a lot yeah. about show and upcoming things that are happening and I try to give inspiration myself, yes. little mental health and sober uh, inspiration. Wake Up With Marcy um, and host Marcy Hopkins. I'm on Facebook. Awesome. We'll link everything in today's show notes. Marcy, what a pleasure. Thank Thanks you, for making time today. Thanks so much for listening today, friends, and downloading our episodes. Hopefully you heard something inspiring today and that resonates with you. For more information and to apply to be a guest on the show, head over to thesobrietydiaries.com or follow us on Instagram at Podcast Revolution Studios. I love chatting with you guys. Check out all of our video episodes at youtube.com slash Nate Kelly. Make sure to subscribe to the show now so you never miss an upload. We're back with new episodes every Wednesday. Goodbye, everyone.